Good morning. It's great to see you guys. Praise the Lord that we can be here together. My wife just told me it's National Friendship Day. So we're celebrating the friendship with Jesus. Um, Of course, Tom kind of put a damper on that with the whole um, news of the day. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, as America drifts further and further away and doesn't know Jesus, this is what's going to happen, and this is a life that we are going to become, this is going to become normalized. This is normal now. It, not, it used to not be normal, but it's normal now. Further we walk from Jesus, more and more chaos. So, I wanted to talk about something that a lot of people have, I don't know, I hear this in the media, I hear it with people. You know, I want to be part of something bigger than myself. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah? Wow, only about five. So apparently, no one else is hearing it, just me. (laughs) And I think that we all want to be a part of, of something that's important. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And we want to feel that we're important. But here's my question. And this is the big question. So write this down if you would like. Can you do something important without the truth? Must truth be a part in order to make it important? Or is importance without truth just fantasy? We're just making stuff up. So what's your bigger? What's the bigger thing to you? Some people see that as their job. If you do, I'm going to call you to think about that. Because like I said to my boss when she wanted me to come to um, some kind of training in the middle of the summer, I, I looked at her and I said, are you going to be there holding my hand when I'm dying in the hospital? She looked at me and she said, no. I said, then I've got to take care of the people that are going to be there. So I can't make it. Others find importance in social media. Facebook, Instagram, you name it. Come on. How much time do you spend doing that? Do you spend more time doing that than you spend in prayer? I'm asking you to check that. If you, if you are, I would seriously think about that. Maybe it's about finding your parents. Maybe it's about your heritage. Here's a big one. Disneyland. I work with a lady that spends almost every lunchtime talking about her excitement to go to Disneyland the following weekend. And then there's pictures about them at Disneyland. Then she has a a sticker posted on her car. She's thrilled to be a Disneyland person. I think it's become the new religion of America. It's like, wow. Wow. 
Now, <laughs> if we were that excited about Jesus, would our world be in the state it is today? Just a question. Would it be? Or are the Disneyland people God is using to say, those people are committed. What about you? Of course, on the darker side, we can maybe talk about, you know, let's go take Area 51 by storm and find out if there's really aliens there. Maybe that's your purpose in life. Maybe your purpose in life is being a victim. We've all been victimized in some way or another. Don't let that crowd your relationship with Jesus out of your life. Otherwise, you will have no joy. You'll become a victim of your own victimization, your own self. And that's something that Jesus wants to free you from. So if that's going on, any of the elders or any of the people in this church would be happy to pray with you and pray for your freedom. One last thing on this, and then we'll move forward. Chad talked about pornography a couple of weeks ago. 96% of 16-year-olds are hooked to pornography. I would even say that I would think, and I'm sorry to say, but most men have a problem with pornography. And like Chad said, and I think he's right on here, if you are looking at pornography, your relationship with Jesus is not going anywhere, nor will it. Pornography will, like God said to Cain in Genesis, sin is waiting at the door, let me put it a different way. Pornography is waiting at the door to drag you away and devour you. Do you hear me, guys? Pornography is going to drag you away and destroy you and destroy your life with your family, destroy your life with your colleagues, destroy your life with Christ, and you will find yourself alone and you will find yourself in what they call a world of hurt. And that would be an upgrade. So if you're involved in pornography, shut it down, shut it off, unplug it, don't look at it, get rid of the device, dump it in the trash, do whatever you need to do, because let me tell you, like Jesus says, it's better to enter the kingdom of God without an eye than to lose your, own, your, your soul and your body. Don't do it. Stop it. Move forward. Come on up and pray with us. We'd be happy to pray with you. Because it will take you out. All the way out. And some people are going, well, you know what? I'm a Calvinist and I believe that once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Well, good luck with that idea. Because I've had theology. I've had about 30 years of theology. I've got degrees in theology. I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been to a Calvinistic school, and I've been to an Arminian school. And let me tell you, you think you're saved and looking at pornography and having a lifestyle of pornography? You're kidding yourself. Wake up.
You got it, men? Stand up for Jesus. And we wonder why, like Tom said, we've got the world that we've got. Men, stand up. Stand up for Jesus. That's what God made us for. We're not good at taking responsibility. You can see that in the Garden of Eden. Not a problem there. We're busy explaining, oh yeah, it's the woman you gave me. Really? Adam had the authority to stand between his wife and Satan and say, get out of here, Satan. You've got no place in the garden. And Satan would have had to have gone. His wife would have been safe. He wouldn't have been allowed in the garden. But oh no, we as men, nope, we sit back. Did I do something? Oh. So we're just busy not being responsible. Seriously? He made us to stand up and fight for our families, to fight for what is right. So men, let's stand up and let's start standing up for what is right. That's what he made us for. And that's what he calls us to do, doesn't he? Being a Christian, that is by far the biggest of big. To call it, to call it biggest would be an understatement. This is it this is it all this is all. The only way I can really think <clears throat> the only way I can really think of this as Christian is the biggest is Jesus said I am. This is a relationship with Jesus. Jesus says I am. I am what? I am the Truth, the way, and the life, right? He is capital R, real. He is capital T, truth. And he is capital H. Whatever he does is history. It is. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But we live in America where most people don't know Jesus at all, nor have heard the gospel. Some of you that are older, did you ever think that that America would be like it is today? Did you ever have any idea that people wouldn't know who Jesus is? Did you? No. That's the world we live in. So I'm going to ask you. We live in a society that doesn't know about Jesus. Talk about missionary field. It's out there. It's in here. It's our neighbors. It's where we work. It's in the Target we go to. It's in the grocery store. Be a missionary where you are. We don't need to go to any other country. We've got to start mission. We have to do missions here now. All of us. 
So God is definitely working 24-7 in every day, (laughs) in everyone's lives simultaneously. Think about that for a second. I want you to envision the time that you were out on the 91 freeway coming over Corona, and you can see like five miles of traffic, and it's all stopped. Can you visualize that in your head for just a second? Can you see that picture? Just think, God can see and knows each person in each car, their thoughts, what they're thinking, where they're going, where the molecules that they're breathing have gone all around the world. What, what, what's going to happen to them five minutes from now, 10 years from now, a lifetime from now? He knows it all. He knows everything about you, everything about me. He knows where each one of our hairs have fallen and where they are and where they're going and where the wind will blow them. He knows everything. And if you think that he doesn't know what I'm thinking, oh yeah, you keep telling yourself that. He knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows exactly what you're going to do. And he's calling you right now that if you're thinking about Living a life without him, he's calling you, please, 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 follow me. His work is real. My question is, how can we be a part of that work? How can we be a part of it? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All truth resides in Jesus. There is no truth outside of Jesus. He is all truth. When they developed the computer, do you think that he said, whoa, I didn't see that one coming? Does anybody believe that? (laughs) No. He is the embodiment of truth. He is... Truth becomes personal, doesn't it? Because he's the embodiment of it. He calls us to be in a relationship with him, which makes it a relationship of truth, right? So our lives should exhibit truth. Now, you're thinking, well, that's your truth. No, no. It's a capital T truth. This is all truth. Let me just give a a, a quick couple of points. When Jesus said to the wind, stop, what happened to the wind? Did it just keep going? No. When he said to the dead, arise, come out. Did the dead stay dead? No. No. A guy that can stop the wind and raise the dead, you're going to tell me he doesn't know what's going on? Seriously? (laughs) Whatever Jesus says happens. Think about that for a second. Jesus had to be super careful with his words. You know, we use the word, get out, right? Could Jesus use that word? In conversation? No, you'd find yourself outside the building somehow. 
You know, he'd say, get out. And the next thing you know, you're standing outside the building going, hey, whoa, whoa, how'd I get out here? Jesus' Jesus's words, he says them, they come true. It's not, they come true later. It's not a fantasy. It's truth. It's now. If Jesus said, I'm not going to the cross, he didn't have to go to the cross. He could have made things disappear. He could have said, I've had it. It's gone. And it would have been gone. And we wouldn't be here. But he and his grace allowed us to continue. So here's my three kind of things I'd like you to think about. Know, do, and be. Know, do, and be. Can we say them? Know, do, and be. To be working with Christ, we need to know him. We need to do what he leads us to do, right? And we need to be. God knows, (laughs) I love this, God knows and he wants to share it. Here it is. He shared it. And since this really wasn't getting it all the way out, he sent God the Son. He sent Jesus. And uh, Hebrews talks about that in past times, he, he, ta- he spoke to us through the prophets. What does he do? What does it say he did? He said, but he has finished speaking to us in his Son. His son, capital T, truth. He wants to share with you right now, with you throughout your day, with you tomorrow. All you have access to him 24-7. He just wants you to come to him. Talk to him. So, how do we know Jesus? We're going to have to read the Bible, right? How are we doing with that? How are we doing with reading? Yes. Yeah, I'm glad. One thumbs up. Fantastic. We got a, we got a little bit of work then, huh? Let me ask you this. How much time do we spend watching TV? And uh, trust me, I'm, gonna, I'm putting my hand up. I watch more TV than I read the Bible. I'm sorry to say that. It used to not be that way. And if you're young, I would encourage you to do what I did. Seriously, I spent hours and hours a day reading the Bible. And my time reading the Bible far outweighed my time of watching TV. By far. And if you do that, I guarantee you God will meet you, bless you, and will knock your socks off. He will fill you with joy and peace that you will not have otherwise. And then we also need to pray. We need to pray for God's help to understand the Bible. And we need to, did you guys see that third one there? Go to church. Right on. 
get involved. Do you know the way the, the, the Puritans saw churches going to the grocery store? They loved it. They would come to church because they couldn't wait to see what they could grab off the shelf of what the pastor was saying and hold on to that and take it home with them that week and think about it and work on that. You know what? I love that idea. Isn't that a cool, cool idea? We're going to go to church. It's like going to the grocery store. We're going to grab some stuff today and do it this week. Please, please do that. And, I, and I, I'm telling you, Jesus is calling us to grab something from this sermon today and do it this week. And get involved in the small groups and learn from other Christians. We learn from each other. The ladies' Bible study on Monday nights, love it. If you're one of the ladies and you're not going, you ought to go. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I'll avoid making a joke here on my part. Um, I would love to go to that. I think that that is, you guys are having a great time, and I would love to go to that. But I'm not a lady, so I don't get to go. Um, anyway, uh, I think that that would be a blessing to you if you did. So the Bible tells us um, in Proverbs, and I think it fits, and this fits from the ladies' Bible study, and I wanted to apply it here. Um, Proverbs says that as you go through life, there's going to be two voices calling out for you. The two voices, and, and this is the theme of all of, of um, Proverbs, is, is that the one voice that's going to call out to you is foolishness, and the other voice that's calling out to you is wisdom. Our world is filled more than ever before with voices. Is it not? Right? I mean, I read a book in the uh, early 80s called Information Overload. In the 80s. There was no internet. There was landlines. There was no cell phones. And he was talking about that the information overload is the problem. Uh, not much of a problem in comparison with today. You know? And then the cable. Cable came out at about the same time. And what did cable say? Oh, if you pay us, you can watch TV without commercials. That's what you're paying us for. Do you guys have, uh, you guys have cable now? Yeah? you have commercials? Yeah. How did that happen? So you get to pay for it, and you get the commercial, too. Yeah. That goes over about as well as when, they, uh, when California said, yeah, give to the lottery. We're going to give all this money to education. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. Nice. So, buy cable. No commercials. Now they go, well, hey, come on over to Netflix. <laughs> Don't worry. There's commercials. Oh, go to Hulu. Yeah, commercials. Commercials everywhere. Commercials all over the place. 
You, you answer your phone. You think someone's calling you. No, it's a commercial. You've won something. Yeah, right. The voices are everywhere. How do you get away? How do you get away? And the devil box, that's what I call the computer, for a lot of good reasons. Um, that thing just will, it will completely take, you, take your life. Because, I don't know, does someone sit there and try to figure out a program to drive you insane? Let's do this today so your computer doesn't do this what you need it to do, like print something off and not stop talking to the network somehow and then drive you insane. It, I, I think that the devil's behind that thing somehow. I, I, it's just my theory. But anyway, um, which one of these voices that wisdom is, is, is it going to be wisdom or is it going to be foolishness? Which one of the voices are we going to follow? But we need to know the Bible to follow the right voice, wouldn't we? Because if we don't have the Bible, I think that we are out of, I think that we're on our own. And if we're on our own, we know how well that's worked in the past, right? It's working out just great, as we can see from our world and what Tom is talking about earlier. A mind, I don't, do you remember this saying from a few years ago, a mind is a terrible thing to waste? Do you remember that? Yeah? Unfortunately, it's already wasted. <laughs> it's already corrupted. That's how we start. The whole thing's corrupted. Your data file's corrupted. Yeah. So what do we have to do? Well, we actually really are looking to repattern our mind. That's what we do when we're reading this. This is God's repatterning, repatterning of your mind. It's putting it in the structures that you need to have in your mind so you can live out a life that is honoring to Christ. So, why do we read the Bible? So God can repattern our mind. So read it each day. If you're not reading it at all, I'll tell you what. Make your goal just to open it up. Just open it. How about if you open it and read one verse and just leave it open? And then the next day, if you need to, hey, put a timer on the phone and have it go off when you know you're going to be at home and then just read the next verse. Great. Let's do that. Can we do that? Anybody? Can we start with that? Just a little step? Let's do it. And see what happens. And you know what? If you do that this week, would you come and tell me next week? Tell me how it went? Please? That'd be great. But let's let the words of Christ fill our lives. Because in uh, Colossians 3, 16 and 17, it says, Let the words of Christ fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom. Uh, there's the word wisdom. Wisdom. So we're listening to the voice of wisdom that he gives. Whatever, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of Christ Jesus. We are called to be his representatives to the world in which we live. If you don't know the Bible very well, and you'd like to, 
Would you do me a favor and just put a note on the on one of the cards from underneath the the chairs and say, you know what? I don't know anything about the Bible and would like to. Just put that on a card and stick it in that box in the back. I'd love to start a I don't know anything about the Bible study. I'd love it. I'd be happy to do that. It would be great. So, what are we doing? We're doing is repatterning our minds. Repattern our minds. Change the way we think. So, yeah, when that guy cuts you off on the freeway, you don't do what you probably shouldn't be doing, right? Using some words you probably shouldn't be using, right? Doing some gestures. (laughs) Not that. That you probably shouldn't be doing because what was that that I just said? We're to, in Colossians 3.16, represent Jesus Christ. That's not representing Christ, I don't think. Do you? Using those words, making those gestures? No. How about if we just bless them and go, you know what? I'm going to pray for this person. Lord, help them to get wherever they need to go. Maybe they have an emergency. Maybe they have to go to the bathroom really super bad. I'm just going to give it to them. Hey, feel free, cut me off. Not a problem. Uh, Try to grasp God's ways of thinking. That's why we read the Bible. Grasping God's ways of thinking. What's our goal? What's our goal? Our goal in 1 Corinthians 2.16 is to have the mind of Christ. Is that going to take some repatterning in here? Is it? Definitely. I don't recall Jesus using those bad words and making gestures. Do you guys, do you remember that in the Bible anywhere? No. I don't either. He called people hypocrites but I don't recall him doing that. Did he have a right to call them idiots? Sure he did. He is the truth. He knows all things. He could call us all idiots. He could say, Einstein, you're like the biggest idiot. But he didn't. He re- he, <laughs> that's the beautiful thing about him. He is respectful, gracious, merciful, and kind. He would never do that to you or me. Even though, quite frankly, he could call me an idiot and that would be okay. Because you're right. I am an idiot sometime. Maybe actually more than I realize. I could be an idiot all the time. I don't, maybe. Maybe if I had someone with a video that followed me around, I would watch that and go, wow, I am such an idiot. (laughs) But I would hope that that wouldn't be the case. So, how do we go about repatterning our minds? We really do need to read the Bible. And before we were Christians, we were blinded by Satan. And um, we were blinded by the world. But now we can know and comprehend the glory of God. What does that mean, comprehend the glory of God? It actually means, in the biblical sense to know the character, to know God's character intimately. 
is calling us to know his character intimately on 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6. And when we know his character, are we more likely to be like him? So, so start to know God and learn his characteristics through the Bible. We need to ask God for help to understand the Bible. A great prayer is in Psalm 119. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths of your instruction. That would be a great prayer. So when you open that Bible and read that one verse or two, or if you really want to be brave, read that chapter. Okay, you overachievers, you know who you are. You can do it. Just pray that prayer beforehand. Open my eyes, O Lord, to see the truths and the way I can apply them in my life. That's all you have to ask him. And then read the Bible, and I guarantee he will help you. Um, the ladies' Bible study had a saying that I loved. And it said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom and our relationship with him, with Jesus, proceeds ethics. So ethical behavior can only take place after we are in relationship with Jesus, knowing him, knowing his character, and we then start responding as he would respond because we would be having the mind of Christ. See how it all works together? We have to have the mind of Christ. We have to understand um, uh, God's character And that, in turn, will start to pour out in our ethics. Satan in the world system is shooting fiery darts at the Christian's mind. Ephesians 6, 16, making the thought life a battlefield. If If the thought life has ever been a battlefield, it is now. And like I said, if you got to unplug the thing, unplug it. It's better to lose the internet than to lose your soul. With the internet and the social media, TV, our minds are in a state of information overload for sure. We need to guard our time and our involvement in these things and compare the percent of the time we spend in God's Word, repatterning our minds um, and Kind of monitor that this week and see where you come, how that, how that seems to be for you. What did Jesus do when he was overloaded? I put this on there because, I mean, seriously, if you were, if people knew that I could heal people, how many of you would like to be healed today? I'm, I'm, I'm putting my hand up because I've got this problem that I've got numbness in my finger. Georgia, you would love it. My back hurts. My wife who has her, her face is on fire. She would love me to be able to heal her. If I healed her and people found out 
What do you think would happen? Seriously. I would be mobbed, literally. People would drive from anywhere and all over the world, and I have no idea. It would be so overwhelming. I have no, I, I, I could not handle it. And I'm an extrovert. And here Jesus is. People know he can heal. I love that one lady who's been bleeding for like 12 years, and she's just like, if I can just, if I can just touch any part, any part of his garment, I'll be healed. And she pushes herself through a crowd, I'm sure like this, just touches him, and Jesus stops. She knows she's in big trouble. Why? Because it's actually, um, it was actually against the Jewish law for a woman to touch a man in public. Actually. She's not allowed to. That's a stoning offense. She does it. Why? The risk is, the risk is great, but the payoff is greater. She does it. She just grabs it as him. He stops and says, who's, t- who's touched me? And the disciples are going, what are you talking about? This mob is around you, and you're asking who touched me? He said, yes, I, uh, the power went out, and I want to I know. And he takes a moment with that woman and loves that woman and says, I see you, sister. I love you. You're healed. He's willing to do that with you. And I'm talking about your mind, healing your mind. He wants to do that with you. What did he do when he was overloaded? He withdrew. He spent time in prayer. Do we need to spend time in prayer? You bet. We need to spend time in prayer. How many of us think that prayer is just kind of like, a, yeah, well, it's the best I can do. There's not much. You look at it as, well, it's not much. Come on, seriously, honestly. Really? No one thinks that. Everyone thinks that prayer is huge. Really? You guys all believe that? Really? That's impressive. You people are impressive. I have to say, I had to learn that. Because I really, I kind of thought it was kind of like the default thing for a Christian. And I didn't, I, I really didn't understand the power when I was younger. I had no idea the power of prayer. But I want to tell you something. Prayer is huge. I go to work um, every day. I do one thing. I, 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 as I'm driving to work, I try to think of someone to go pray with. And I walk around in the hallways and I go and pray with someone. Okay. One day, this is a great story, never shared it with you. I was driving up to work and I saw this fire truck and ambulance. And I'm sorry to say, but the first thought in my mind was, wow, I'm glad it's not there for me. Because I guess as you get old, you're just kind of thinking that could happen any time to me. And I'm just kind of glad that it's not there for me. And, it, and I kind of, you know, 
chuckled because, you know, you never know why the fire truck is at the school. Sometimes they're hosing kids down. I, you know, you never know. So anyway, there it was. And I walk in, and I really don't know what's going on. And one of the, uh, my other teachers comes up and he says, did you know that um, Bridget, which is a teacher there, uh, went down in the front? I said, oh, I didn't know who it was. So I'm walking down the hallway as usual, right? There's things I've got to get done, right? We've got things to do. We've got a schedule to keep. So I'm walking along, and then here's the door that goes directly out there. And I'm walking along, and Jesus is going, take me out there. I'm like, for those of you that if you think that God's leading you to do something, here's a little clue. Do it. No. No, you're not getting it. Do it. <laughs> Don't go, uh, really, Lord? No, no, no. Don't do that. You'll regret it later. I tell you, I learned that long ago. Do it. So what did I do? I walked out the door and I'm like, I will take you out there. I walked through and there's a crowd of paramedics and things standing there. I walk through them. I walk through them. She's on the gurney. I put my hand on her forehead and I said, Bridget, I'm going to pray for you. And I prayed for her really loud because I had no idea. I don't think she heard me. And I said, Lord, and I prayed for her. And I prayed for the doctors and I prayed for the paramedics there. She later called me up and said, actually, I heard your prayer. And I can't thank you enough for it. She said, when I was uh, going to the hospital, the one guy said, that was in back with me, he said, is that like your priest? <laughs> I said, did you tell him it's just a regular old Christian doing what Jesus calls him to do? And she's like, and then I had this conversation with him because she's a fellow believer. And she said, and I can't tell you the conversation that we got into. It was great. And it was about Jesus. We don't know who Jesus is going to have watching us. We have no idea. Did that prayer seem unimportant? It did but not in God's hands. For us, we don't see the value because we don't see what it does. He is the one that sees. And let me tell you, he does things. He's doing things 24-7 in everyone's life all the time. So, pray. I have found that prayer with people is a lot easier for people to... Um, to accept than preaching. Imitate God in everything you do because you are His. Hear this. You are His what? Can you read that for me? Dear children. You are His dear children. You are His loved ones. 
You are his family. He loves you. Does he want to hear from you? Does he want to spend time with you? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. And now that you have the light from the Lord, so live as people of the light. Does that include pornography? Does that include um, this baseness of our society? Does that include the profanity, the flipping off, the yelling at people, the disrespectful attitude, calling people names? Does it include any of that? Is that the light? Hello? No. So live as people of the light. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, do what? Stand up and expose it. For the light within you only produces what is good and true. Ephesians 5, 1 through 11. Don't be conformed any longer to this world, nor to the patterns of this world. What are those two things? Does anybody know? Yeah, a piece of coal and a diamond. How much pressure does that coal have to go through to, to become a diamond? Any geologists here? <laughs> Let's just say a whole lot of pressure. <clears throat> You may be feeling like, I'm coal right now. God is putting me under pressure. He could be. If he's not, praise God, enjoy the time while you have it. God does put us under pressure to make a diamond out of us. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as it is proper among the saints. We are saints. If you are a believer and you are in the family of Christ, you are a saint. <clears throat> Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be, what's the word? Thanksgiving. We are set apart for God's use. Our bodies are a living sacrifice made to God daily. So don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How does he, re How does he change the way you think? Kim, you can go to the next slide. How does he change the way you think? Repatterning your mind. How does he repattern your mind? You need to read the Bible. Please read the Bible. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be one that is set apart from the world. Set apart from the world. What? Say it. Right on. Set apart from the world. The holy ones. That's who we are. We are his holy ones. Have you heard me yet? We are his holy ones. Does that mean pornography? Does that mean 
expletives, using profanity, watching profanity, hand gestures, yelling at people. Does that mean any of that? No. It means the opposite, doesn't it? We cannot get sucked in to this world any longer. We must stand against it. Now is the time. Did you hear that? Now is the time. Christ is calling us to say, he's, he's telling me to tell you, now is the time for you to be separate. Now is the time for you to be my holy ones. That's what he's saying to you and to me. We are to be Christ-centered, not self-centered. Next, Kim. I plead with you. Give your bodies to God. Let them be a holy and living sacrifice. That's what it means. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We are making decisions based on how I can reflect Christ in the situation. Kim, thank you. We were made to mirror and reflect God in our character, the reason for our existence, and the creation is to shine forth to a world the holiness of God as we are in relationship with him. We are his holy ones. Kim, we now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay pots containing this great treasure that makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. 2 Corinthians 4.7 Glory be to God. Our lives should be filled with glory be to God. Now this next slide, I would never in a million years have thought I would ever put into a sermon ever. (laughs) But I have no other way, I have no other way to, to, to explain this. We are all in. We are all in for Christ. And you're going to have to, if you haven't come to that point in your life where you're saying, I'm not all in for Christ, Christ is calling you to be all in. And, I'm, and me, as a fellow Christian, I'm begging you, be all in for Christ. He is already all in for you. Um, where I would ultimately be as a Christian, I, um, I embraced the fact that I was going to be a Christian no matter what, no matter where, no matter what the circumstances or what's happening. I embrace the fact that I will be a Christian. I will die as a Christian. Be all in. All in for Christ. And thank you, Kim. Here's my last thought. You see the, um, the picture? I wish I had my little pointer. Do you see the flower way, way, way in the back, in back of that tree? Is this little flower? 
amongst the field. Has anybody ever seen that little, just one little flower way back there? No. No one has ever seen this one little flower. Does it still have value? Does that one little flower that no one's ever seen have value? You say yes. How can you say yes? If no one ever sees it, does it have value? Why? Why does it have value? Seriously. Because God made it and God sees that flower. It doesn't make any difference if no one sees that flower. He sees it. That's what gives it the that's. Big R reality. That is big T truth. Right? That is big H history. That Maybe you. I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm doing stuff out there and I feel like no one's paying attention. And sometimes, quite frankly, and this is a great story. You're washing clothes. Does anybody see that? Seriously, come on. Patty, give me something here. No. Washing the floor. Does anybody see that? No. Cleaning the cat's box, washing the toilets, you name it. Gary, four in the morning, getting out there, feeding the goats. Anybody see that? No. <laughs> Thanks, Patty. You're that flower on the, on the hill. In those moments, you're being What? You're being a Christian, you're being seen. God sees you. Does that have value? Yes. He sees you. Who are you doing it for? Well, I'm doing it to keep the house clean. But aren't we doing it for Christ? Do all things for Christ, right? So there's a story in this book called, I think, Embrace. Is it Embrace? I think it is. It's not? Ah, I hate it when that happens. Anyway, I know the story. Um, the story is, is that this lady, when she would clean the house or clean the clothes or whatever, she beat herself up because she wasn't out there um, preaching the gospel to people and saving souls. So she would literally beat herself up and thought that she was useless and not doing what was honoring to Christ. I want, if you feel that way, or if you have felt that way in the past, here's the word from Christ for you. He sees what you are doing. And it is okay. He values. He values you. He values what you're doing. He loves you. You are his holy one. You are his child. Unseen. Thank you, honey. So don't beat yourself up when you're in those times where you're doing that work and nobody sees it. God sees it. Do it for him. 
You are his child. You are his holy one. He loves you. And all that stuff in the day, yes. We have all that different stuff that goes on. We've got to go to the grocery store. We've got to do all this junk. I get it. But do those things as if you were doing them for Christ. He sees it. Even if you're taking a nap, take your nap for Christ. Because you know what? He knows you need that too. Don't beat yourself up. It's okay. He loves you. You're his holy ones. You are his precious, precious ones. That he was willing to go to a cross that he didn't have to go to. He could have said, no! And it would have been done. Everything would have been gone. But no. He loved us so much that he went to it and took what we couldn't take. You are his loved ones. He loves you. Love him in return. May our, may our lives, may our lives be a living sacrifice of love just out of the fact that he loved us. What I would like to do uh, now, I've asked not to... Um, to have any music playing when we're, for, when we're doing our communion today, I'd like us just to think, just to reflect on um, what's been said. And I think that this is a wonderful time. And gentlemen and people, ladies, whoever's coming to serve, if you could come up.